we would like to acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording as its original custodians, along with their customs, traditions, and their special relationship with the land. Or it would have just been, I don't know, another person pissed off at Tony Stark or his dad. Hi, and welcome to Switched On, an entertainment and pop culture podcast by Swinburne University's The Standard. I'm Theo Tunks, your host for today's podcast, where my guests Tim Bottoms and Adam Vigona and I will be diving into Marvel's new animated series, What If? What If? is a show that explores what would have happened within the Marvel Universe if the characters had made different choices. And spoilers for the first episode of What If? are ahead. My name's Tim Bottoms. I'm studying media and communications, majoring in journalism. My whole thing is just entertainment and arts and pop culture and all that stuff. So of course that extends to comic books and then even further down the line, Marvel. Also, gaming editor for Swinburne Standard. I'm in a similar boat to Tim, a media comms student at Swinburne. Uh, my major's cinema and screen rather than journalism. And um, I've been a big Marvel fan for ages, did a Black Widow review for The Standard as well. So I've been doing my usual rounds of marveliness if i could get you adam to sort of explain the concept of what what if actually is what uh the show is supposed to be well uh what if is pretty much just the question of what if something else happened in the marvel cinematic universe that didn't happen originally so for example with our first episode we have um peggy carter taking the super soldier serum rather than steve rogers and from there we just see the the consequences of the different actions if you basically sum up the kind of uh the core essence of that whole plot it does very much kind of follow the main original captain america movie with a few liberties of course steve rogers becomes basically the iron man of the 40s which was a very nice touch which i didn't expect but it follows through the whole Tesseract kind of story, propels Peggy into the future, into the present day instead of Steve, and basically kind of, yeah, it kind of follows along very much so, like an alternate remake of, like, the Captain America movie. Except Red Skull tries to summon Cthulhu in uh, this uh, yes. episode. I was wondering if that was supposed to be a genuine, just straight-up rip of, like, Cthulhu or just a generic Lovecraftian monster, but... What? Were you guys expecting that? Because that took me by very much by surprise. I was not. I was actually hoping that the another nod to what Marvel's done in the past is that they might summon uh, something like the Chitauri, like from the first Avengers film, which yeah. I think would have been a, a nice little twist to have them come out in the 40s rather than what happened with Loki. And it would have been in keeping with the universe as well, like the... Um certain characters and um these like factions that are already established that's probably partly why the yeah. kabulu kind of like bit got me the way it did yeah maybe it's a sign of um the new elements they'll be introducing into the actual what if series like just sprinkling in new little like facets of like that universe rather than solely relying on the already established conventions that they've already put in with the other movies it'll be interesting to see how far they go with these weird twists because i think agents of shield tried to do something similar at one point even though we can debate whether that's part of the MCU or not anymore. They didn't get to um, a Cthulhu-type monster, but they tried to open up a breach um, for some Hydra agents to try and get some other alien to come through and possess them. But it was a bit of a similar outcome. From the outside, that's a pretty wacky series. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, it, it, it got insane. Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm not going to lie. But what about the episode itself? What did you... Did you think it was good? I quite liked it. I found the pacing was very rapid at times. Like it just like yeah. quick fire one scene to the next. It felt, I'll give them props. It did feel like 
as someone who's read a few what if um what if issues it's condensed into like a, a single issue pretty much usually they have to go like they have to speed the story along and the plot to such a degree i feel like they really captured that at least in those 30 minute episodes maybe they might improve upon it in the future episodes but i don't think a uh, 20 minute animated episode is going to be enough for what what if is trying to do you yeah. can't really fully explore an alternate universe especially one as big as marvel in just 22 minutes well coincidentally uh, i've been watching the twilight zone lately which did the exact same thing, except uh, the benefit they had going for that was that they were singular condensed stories just basing off this like quirky, weird, um, like zany kind of universe. And they didn't, that's kind of the crutch I think that Marvel have going into this kind of series, like this ambitious kind of project is that they've already got all these established conventions and characters and story arcs, which may or may not be weighing them down in that regard. I think it'll be interesting to see going forward how far they go with some of the concepts. Because I know next week is supposed to be something like um, if T'Challa was picked up instead of Peter and he'd become Star-Lord and become part of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think would be pretty cool. But going back to the Peggy Carter and Steve one, it was a bit of a weird pacing, but I think they managed to do kind of get all the beats of the movie and try and balance it between the two of them in just the 20 minutes. Mm, especially by yeah. the end, I think, where they'd done all the, the legwork and kind of slowed down a little bit more towards the end and just yeah. like let the situation kind of like rest on its own rather than just constantly try to like keep up with it and like get all the gears going basically and um, up to the big conflict yeah one of the things i did well i think i found funny about the episode is that steve rogers is severely injured yet they still found a way to make him a superhero yeah what did you guys did you guys think because i had seen no promotional material or anything for that episode i didn't know where it was going to go aside from the basic concept did you guys uh predict that steve would have as much of a role in the story still as he did Nope, none the slightest. Um, I didn't even... I, I knew that there was going to be some sort of uh, alternate Iron Man, like somewhere within the uh, What If series. I didn't realise that it was going to be in the first episode. Okay. So what was your reaction then when, when they ended up, like, that reveal? Um, it was definitely more of a, like, oh, okay. And so uh, I suppose that, like, it was tony stark's dad that came up with the idea of iron man and mm. yeah i just i didn't know how i felt about that to be perfectly honest because in my opinion there's only one true iron man i know that's sort of a uh yeah a very i don't know geeky thing to say that's fair yeah it does kind of i don't know i wouldn't say it diminishes his role in the um like tony stark's role in the mcu because yeah. like of course like the founding character of that whole like of the entire cinematic universe basically but it's just like it felt to me it was kind of weird like the fact that they so effort they just like just easily just imparted that role from tony stark onto his dad yeah like yeah, yeah like it's just you know, i feel like they could have done a bit like something else really i honestly thought that um it would be howard getting into the suit rather than steve i thought he would have just died when the train explosion went off <laughs> <laughs> it would have yeah. been it probably wouldn't have been as interesting but i honestly didn't expect i, I didn't see any of the promotion either so i was, I was genuinely I was surprised when it happened i'm happy that howard sort of had the idea though which i thought was cool because i feel like he's a real hmm. underrated underrated character in the whole series especially i don't know if anyone's seen agent carter agent carter is a brilliant show and dominic cooper who plays um howard stark he does that role so well and so i was super happy that they got him back for um, the what if series one of the things i really did like and i like what they're doing with what if is that they are getting original cast back 
except they didn't mm. get Chris Evans to play Steve Rogers. I feel like he did a pretty good job, I think. Like, if you didn't know that it wasn't Chris Evans and you didn't read too much into it, I think, you know, he could have, yeah, passed pretty well. I thought, because of all of the other actors that they managed to get, I thought it was originally Chris Evans, but towards the end, I started realising that it wasn't him. I, I know he's said that he would never do another Marvel movie again, but um, I was super hoping that they managed to get Hugo Weaving back for um, Red Skull. <laughs> No. Uh, well, technically, they, they had another Marvel alum reprise that role. Yeah, because he was the one who played in, in uh, Infinity War and Endgame. More credits now than Hugo Weaving. So technically, I guess he is Red Skull now. <laughs> yeah, true. Technically. Yeah, I suppose that would be true. More so than Hugo Weaving. What do you guys think of the animation style they're going for? I can't say I was the biggest fan of it. I think in the action scenes, it looked quite well. But I think when it was just straight up dialogue, when it was doing like close-ups on faces, some of the animation looked a bit iffy which I thought was interesting considering the mm. Disney budget they've got. Yeah, it's it's very comic booky, which usually I think um, works well um, because you've got something, say, like, like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse that is a very comic booky animated film, and that's a brilliantly well-done film. Animation is spectacular. But they lean more into it than, than um, What If. Yeah. They lean more into the comic conventions, like, hard in that one. Yeah, definitely. But also when there's talking scenes in comic book, they found a way to make the no motion version of that like interesting. They still managed to have some really good scenes where there's no motion, but it's still very comic book looking and still very, I guess, action packed at the same time. Kind of like kind of like Edgar Wright's uh, style of directing where there's a lot of cuts to make the slow scenes a lot more interesting but they didn't do that with what if they just let it linger for too long I think I agree with Adam on that and all the um the dynamic kind of like expressive poses I guess and like framing for like all the action scenes mm. like it felt like rather than they had the cell like the almost cel-shaded type comic book aesthetic but then in terms yeah. of the frames and the pa- and the pacing of the action and all that they were just, they didn't really lean into that in that regard. It was just like, just um, transplanting like cinematic, just like live action cinematic conventions into like the animation. Yeah. yeah. And another thing that I found super weird was the characters seemed a little bit off from their live action counterparts in terms of the way that they were drawn and animated. I think Bucky was sort of the odd one out. Yeah, face yeah. was sort of similar, but even just the dialogue where it was just sort of just making puns exactly. the entire episode. Yeah, and they got Sebastian Stan back for that as well. So I'm surprised that they didn't make him more Bucky-like because I could have forgiven it if, you know, Steve Rogers wasn't a lot more like Captain America because, you know, it's not played by the same actor he's not captain america he's still very much a weakling but they still made him very very much like how i envisioned uh non-captain america steve rogers to be there, there were some characters that just sort of didn't really work as well in the animation as well as the sort of way that they were written and everything did you guys find peggy carter's captain america far more aggressive and violent and brutal than Steve Rogers, because she just went, yes. she just went to town on some of the guys. Like I was like watching it with my friend, and every second, every second or third guy, probably less yeah. so, we just like count. Oh yeah, they're definitely dead. Yep, they're dead. They're probably crippled. Like just <laughs> yeah. Oh, like when like, she's throwing people out of planes and just beating the crap out of like so many people. Like, like you could have done one punch, and she's did, done about four or yeah. five just to their heads. I'm like, ugh. 
anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And um, the fact that with the shield that she got and everything, how she so quickly adapted to it and everything. Yeah, yeah. No real fumbling or anything. Yeah. So I, I don't know if this was their intent, but it definitely felt like that they were really trying to lean into the sort of girl power uh, aspect of it all, which I usually don't mind. But in something like this, it was sort of a bit too obvious, I think. I feel like if they just really left it at her conversations with that superior officer, that would have been enough, I think. Hmm. I didn't mind it. I think it goes back to the pacing again with only 20, 30 minutes to work with. So I'm going to push as much as they can into it. So like as soon as she gets it, like the first time she flips over a car, she's like, oh, this is brilliant. You kind of get behind it. But then the next scene, she's already just smashing guys into walls and everything. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think that's probably my bigger problem than the fact that she instantly, because of how quick they needed to get everything in, she just instantly knew all of these amazing and badass moves and everything. Whereas it did take Steve a little bit to get used to all of his powers and everything. But all he was doing at that time was just fake punching Hitler on the um, theatrical pieces. So yeah, I think he probably had a bit more time, like within the realm of like the audience, like consciousness to like build that up. The, the um the montage for I think for the show conveyed it pretty well. Yeah, uh, the montage did actually do things quite well, but the fact that she was just running into battle without um not not without training, but without having you know the time to get used to her powers. Yeah, but I think the one advantage she probably had over Steve was Steve wasn't really a soldier at all to begin with either. Like she had already gone through some sort of training. True, and in fact, I remember sort of um that yeah she is a secret agent already within established within the Marvel universe. Like I think from memory, she's the one that uh, rescued Doctor Erskine from uh, the Red Skull. I think most of my issues with the first episode just come really from the pacing of it. It's it needed to be longer, and when the only complaint I can have about um, an episode is that. I wanted more of it. I think that's a pretty good complaint to have. That's not bad. What episode are you most looking forward to down the line? I haven't seen a lot of the material. I think I saw the Star-Lord one for this week, and I think I've heard about the Zombies one, which sounds cool. But I'm looking forward to the team-up one at the end, because I really don't know what other characters they're going to try and like bring into this. And I've heard as well with the team-up they're trying to do at the end, that some of the characters might actually come into the live-action movies. So I think it'll be really interesting to see who they choose to put on the spotlight. Okay. Isn't that one supposed to kind of hint towards the Eternals movie? Or am I just imagining that? I think everything is supposed to hint. I think everything uh, yeah, is true. Yeah. Especially with all the multiverse stuff that um, the Marvel Universe is gearing up towards. I mean, it's almost possible to say that What If could almost be canon within another universe sort of thing. Well, I think it's supposed to be technically yeah. because, yeah, they're just all alternate universe kind of stuff. It's like rick and morty to a less nihilistic degree <laughs> yeah to a far less nihilistic degree <laughs> back when i was reading comics i loved all of the events that they would give out because they generally meant that there was going to be a what if version of um the comics i remember the first one that i ever read was avengers versus x-men the what if series for that and um that kind of blew my mind with the, the things that could have happened they take some pretty um, zany turns. I mean, the ones, the majority of the ones I read were written in the 80s. And it's just mm. like building on a concept like one that comes to mind. What if Daredevil had joined up uh, with S.H.I.E.L.D. And he just like oh. gets blinded and gets recruited by Nick Fury right away. And it is pretty much just like him going on all these crazy missions and stuff. My favorite one from that 
that era. I, I actually haven't read any of them, but the concept just sounds amazing. What if Aunt May had been bitten by the radioactive spider rather than Peter Parker? I think I read that one, but I can't remember it. The one I'm looking would have loved to have seen adapted, and I hear it was actually pitched but um, got rejected, was Spider-Man becoming more kind of monstrous, like a humanoid spider mm. type yes. thing, um, which would have gone a bit more, yeah, like Cronenberg-esque fly body horror, but apparently it was too dark for them to actually include in What If, which makes me curious about how they're actually going to do the zombie episode. Yeah. Because they did the Spider-Man like monster kind of spider thing in the 90s TV show. And I've seen a screenshot and it's like, this looks totally acceptable for PG, yeah. G, M rated of whatever audiences. Like, you know, you could do that. Whereas zombies, I wonder how, how far they're going to go with that one. Especially having read the comic. The episode that Tim and I are most looking forward to is definitely Marvel Zombies. Because those yes, definitely. are so good. Yeah. The zombie one will be weird because I'm not sure if they're going to actually show blood or anything in the show. Because I think I saw something in the first one. Mm. They don't want to show any sort of blood at all in the animated thing. So if they don't do it, it would be odd to watch. There would be no sort of violence at all to it. Yeah. We, yeah. All Scooby-Doo-esque, I guess, will be the closest kind of, will be the closest representation I can think of. No, no, no. It's fine. They're going to have green blood, which makes it perfectly okay. <laughs> It's also actually um, similar to, well, go back to the 90s Spider-Man show when they brought in Morbius and he couldn't be a vampire. It's like they brought back those old mm. supernatural, like restrictions on supernatural content. They had to make him very sci-fi based again. He didn't drink blood. He had these kind of, I don't even know. I can't even remember what he did. It was like some ridiculous, like these tubers or whatever that he would use. I don't remember. But yeah, like he'd, he'd consume energy through that rather than tracking people down and like biting into their neck, like the classic vampire way. Yeah, I mean, there's just, I, I can understand that there's some things that Marvel would just never want to pit to appear on screen, except for the mm. fact that they are doing a Blade TV show, so you never know. They did Daredevil as well. That was quite good. That's still my favorite Marvel show. They are going ahead and saying like, oh yeah, that has nothing to do with the MCU anymore, which... Oh, that's a shame, because I thought Daredevil and Jessica Jones were quite well done. Yeah. Well, there have been photos of Deborah and Wall, uh, Wall and um, Kirsten Dunst appearing like near the set of Spider-Man 3. Mm. So it's like all these like, just like adding more fuel to the fire, like, you know, to well, the, turn the rumor mill ever more. That and also um, apparently Fitz and Simmons are supposed to be in Spider-Man 3 as well, at least according to rumors and all that. They're characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. At this point, everyone's going to be in Spider-Man 3. Yeah. It's like they learned no lessons from the last Spider-Man 3. It's funny because um, they managed to get away with a lot by saying, no, these characters aren't part of the film universe anymore. But now that they've opened it up to multiple universes they can do whatever the mm, hell they like yeah all these retrospective kind of continuities with all the other shows and even on um, the weird relationship that uh, marvel's currently got with sony for spider-man i've seen rumors as well as like oh maybe venom will pop in i'm like this would be a little too much of a crossover for one movie ah uh, true yep yep they were saying that with the yeah. first venom i think or like kind of rumors were like abounding a little bit about that i guess it's about time with promotion starting up for two that you know they get back onto it and go, oh, maybe Spider-Man will show up in that one. Yeah. That's just, yeah, with all these crossovers, I know we've had 10 years of like of a connected cinematic universe, but how convoluted or challenging do you guys reckon this completely established like what if series and opening the floodgates to the alternate universes? How challenging do you guys think this will be for the average viewer? Let me put it this way. I know someone, well, like I follow someone who 
puts everything in chronological order all the comics the the movies uh the tv shows and puts them where they fit in the sort of chronology when he it started to look like that um the x-men and like and all that was being uh, put out he basically just said yeah i'm done (laughs) because yeah he had um with all the stuff that's going on meaning that like you know the x-men films might actually be uh canon within the marvel universe and he was just like oh for god's sake so for someone who does that as like one of their hobbies to be super confused i think it's going to get pretty pretty convoluted for the average viewer yeah you just have to just jump on whenever. But I think since the, they've been talking about doing another Deadpool movie, and Deadpool's already in its own convoluted area within the X-Men series, if Deadpool gets brought in, obviously all the X-Men movies are brought in as well. And that just adds yeah. to the confusion. Yeah, and then they can bring in all these other concepts, established concepts and ideas from the comics that they previously couldn't touch on because it's all like mutants and everything, like adamantium and all that. Yeah. Which will just, yeah, make it, it's just going to be one. Who knows, maybe 10 years from now, this universe will finally just implode into one giant mess. Yeah. I mean, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show, and then there was their own, their own sort of, they got their own show, but uh, they did the Inhumans, which is basically the X-Men storyline if you don't have the rights to the X-Men. And it failed as such, didn't it? That first season? Yeah, the Inhumans show was not good. Um, but the... The fact that it sort of spun off from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which did introduce the concept, which was very good. One thing I'd like to sort of get your opinions on, what sort of what-if questions would you like answered? There are so many possibilities, it's hard to, it's hard to ask. Exactly. Yeah, right? This is like infinite possibilities, so I kind of need to sit around for five minutes in a writer's room, I guess. One of the ones I would actually be most interested in is um, what if... Bucky actually died and didn't come back as the Winter Soldier. <laughs> Just uh, it's the entire plot of um, Captain America two and al- almost Captain America like Civil War and everything because mm. the fact that um, Steve Rogers is trying so hard to make sure that his best friend doesn't go to jail and is still alive and everything. It really does turn things on its head a little bit, I think. Well, it would just completely negate the entire emotional impact of both of those movies pretty much. Yeah. Like he wouldn't have the, he wouldn't obviously have the determination to be uh, determination to be so driven in like yeah. protecting him or like saving him and all that. So it's like any kind of like dramatic tension in um like even like back in like Spider Man with like the revelation of like how every single villain is basically connected to Peter Parker in some way. Yeah. Or like you know just heroes and villains in comics in general. Maybe Bucky had had died. It would just they would have either gotten someone else, some other connected character, or it would have just been I don't know. Another person pissed off at Tony Stark or his dad. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I have a what if. What if they injected um, Immortal Hulk into the MCU? Get some of that existentialist body horror in there. I would love that. Well, one of the things that they are doing, at least from what I can remember of the series, uh, basically, what if Smart Hulk existed much earlier okay that'd be cool i think that might be one of the previous what if comics that i've seen before but um what if hole had the brain of bruce banner when he transformed like automatically that'd be interesting yeah um another what if that could be cool is if tony had um died in the cave before he made the suit it's like you could do like the small scale story of what happened with stark tech but then like on the bigger scale 
um, who wouldn't Xavier go to to initiate the Avengers? True. But then they already had like Captain Marvel on the radar at that yeah. point, like back in the nineties. Yeah. So it's kind of just like they've always got these retrospective kind of um, safeguards, I guess. So it's all up to your imagination, pretty much, and the yeah. budget. Besides from Guardians of the Galaxy, they haven't really done a lot with the cosmic side of the MCU. So something like I think like with Thor being part of the or being friends with the Guardians now, as we saw in Endgame, something like if Thor had sort of like a relationship with them beforehand and see what they could have done with their relationship between Asgard and maybe something like um Ego and the other godlike figures. Yeah, no, that's actually yeah for the celestial stuff happened a lot earlier within the timeline and all that. My other major what if scenario would have been if they'd actually introduced a lower tier villain first rather than Thanos. Yeah, because um, one of the things that Loki has done is uh, they've introduced Kang the Conqueror, who's a really awesome sort of world-ending threat, but at the same time, probably not as um, dangerous as Thanos, I would say. Yeah, I always thought that, actually. Even when they were introducing Thanos, it feels like they should go from like one of the lower tier villains like that and then work their way up rather than jumping straight into the epic infinity war kind of like world ending combat of like that whole scenario so it feels like they've kind of worked backwards i feel like someone like dr doom might have been something someone interesting to bring in but then again they probably didn't have the rights to fantastic four at the time yep the rights yes um actually well maybe they could really work it all into like one big cabal of like villains like the sinister six on a like cosmic scale pretty much That'd be pretty cool. What's more um, threatening than one villain? A whole group of them. The Marvel Universe just has so many universe-destroying villains that they could introduce at this point. I mean, you've got Galactus. I feel like as soon as you get to Galactus, there might be no no higher to go, I guess. I think. Yeah. There's like, there's God. I don't know. Like, yeah, it just yeah, gets like, I mean, they're going to keep upping the scale and then it's going to get to the point where it's just like, okay, well, we're either going to get desensitized or it's just not going to be as threatening or it'll just be yeah. like, one variation on the next if, pretty much if they keep going high scale they probably have to just bring stuff back to earth like they're doing with um i forget her name that was in falcon with the soldier valentina like try and get a bunch of other like smaller scale villains to team up instead oh yeah yeah, yeah. they're definitely gearing up to bring in the dark avengers oh cool i haven't read about that falcon and winter soldier is using us agent as you know the dark version of captain america um black widow is using the um like black widow's sister to be the dark version of black widow so it's definitely i think that's the next big thing that they're doing that would have been an interesting what if actually twisting um heroes and villains twisting their morals like in the opposite direction seeing where that goes and like trying to like challenge the audience to uh, empathize and root for like the antagonists of the whole thing rather than like all these characters that we've had that we've you know come to like and you know care about over the years since we're talking about um the what ifs we would like to see um what changes would both of you have made to the some of the choices that marvel has made i would probably have given black widow more of a spotlight the character as a whole has been a bit snubbed and unjustly represented i think throughout the course of her whole run there's been those like awkward romantic subplots just kind of forced in i think and then like the solo movie like what two years too late since her death yeah so that that would have been that would have been a major one i would have done i think i think it would have been nice if they actually implemented all of their kind of side characters and like those like ancillary stories like um agents of shield and sadly daredevil and like the defenders and all that stuff into the actual mcu proper Mm. yeah like really give that like street representation like you know kind of give it 
a fuller representation to the audience rather than just like, because you think like the superheroes too, they have like, they're capable. They have like all these abilities. They should be on the front yeah. lines too. Like, you know. There's a show with that with all the Netflix shows was they really had a, they had a really, once they got to the Defenders team up, there was a team there. They could have easily joined up with the Avengers on any sort of mission they wanted to do. It's um it's like they've kind of solely focused on the Avengers as like this kind of, um this core kind of unit that the audience can kind of um identify with pretty much at the expense of this entire universe of teams and like people and like superheroes and all that. So I think that's probably something they should really get onto conveying to the audience. All these other teams out there actually exist. Yeah. I know that Captain Marvel's in a bit of a weird position coming out just before Endgame, but then having a set in the nineties, it's just in a weird position where you couldn't really have a prior to that because then she would have been too overpowered to deal with any sort of threat they had if she happened to be there. But then introducing her just before Endgame. But having a set in the 90s, it was like, where has she been for 30 years when they could have had her there? So it's a bit of an odd situation within the timeline that yeah. they've got to deal with. I have a question of my own, a what if of my own. <clears throat> yeah. If it, if it weren't Tony Stark, which superhero would you guys like to have seen kind of kick, like kick off the MCU? Honestly, I was, I was kind of too young when the MCU first started. So I didn't really know a lot of the heroes. But if I had to think from it now, Spider-Man would have been too young. Captain America was big in the comics, but I don't know if he was really a household name for someone that wasn't in, into comics. It's a bit of a, it's a hard choice. Like, I, I know in the comics, the one that actually does bring the Avengers together, the one that suggests, hey, we should all um, come together and become Avengers, is Ant-Man. And not um, mm. uh, Scott Ant-Man, but um, Hank Pym. He's the one that says, yeah, we should all come together. But, well, let, let's just say that originally... in with ant-man they didn't want to put him in because of uh, some of the things he has done in the comics oh yeah so yeah it was uh, probably a lot easier when you didn't have like 40 years worth of baggage yeah at that time all this controversy <laughs> i think the fantastic four might have been a good choice yeah maybe but then again they had two failed movies already Spider-Man was already well and truly within the lexicon at that point. So yeah. it's a tough choice. I'm actually really glad that they went with someone who wasn't a household name at that point. I mean, I think there'd been like an animated Iron Man show at some point, but the fact that they actually oh. chose him, I think is probably the best choice they could have made. Probably. Surely they would have, there would have been quite a lot of back and forth in the writer's room and like when they were kind of conceptualizing it all. It was a gamble that paid off. Yeah, I just remember reading about it because I was too young at the time, but when Iron Man was first coming out, they actually needed to put out promotional t material to convince everyone that he wasn't a robot. <laughs> actually, that yeah, another another way it was probably um, the best option is that it would have kept it grounded from the start, mm. like not introducing the audience to like a fantastical, like super-powered character, like instead it's grounded yeah. in like, kind of human ingenuity and stuff and you know human weakness and then they mm. can go from there to the super powered like um super strength all that so yeah yeah it was a good choice i would have loved magic to have been introduced a lot earlier yes i think even now they could still be doing a whole lot more with it the only time i yeah. ever followed agents of shield was when they brought in ghost rider i'm biased i love supernatural stuff in my comics yeah. which makes me very excited actually to bring it back to the multiverse dr strange in the multiverse Yes. That's especially since Sam Raimi's directing. Sam so Raimi, yeah. It gets better and better. Uh, I wonder how well they're going to incorporate that. Like, if they're even going to have little nods to what if maybe and what's already been there. Because they could do it yeah. in one scene. Exactly. If they do it yeah. right. I've thought of the superhero now. 
I'm biased as all hell. My favorite superhero, Daredevil. That would have been a nice one to bring in. Yeah. What if um Deadpool had started the Avengers? There probably is a what if there. I think to this day he still hasn't actually joined. Well, I mean, he's joined the X Men a few times in the comics, from what I know. Yeah, probably begrudgingly on their end. Yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting, and it'll be interesting to see how um they actually like how he interacts with the characters when they do finally bring him into the MCU proper. Yeah. On a side, hasn't Deadpool also killed everyone in the Marvel? universe a couple times those are interesting what ifs actually ones that i don't think they'll ever actually show on tv yeah actually those are some cool what ifs to bring in if they were to adapt them from comics deadpool killing the marvel universe that was a three like series saga because it became deadpool kills the marvel universe then deadpool kills literary characters so you know he kills moby dick and then finally the the last one was deadpool kills deadpool again yeah just some brilliant ideas yeah final thoughts from both of you i liked what if the first episode i like where it's going so far i'm interested in what they do next i'm especially excited for zombies and if they can bring in more horror and supernatural and like weirder concepts and really like lean into the whole alternate universe kind of um concept of the show all the better i think i'm similar to tim i'm really excited to see where they go with it next and if it'll have any large scale um, consequences on the wider MCU because I've heard that they might try and tie like we were talking about before Doctor Strange into what if and try and bring some characters through there so if they can really bring animated to yeah. live action that could be something really interesting oh that would be insane again in the same boat as both of you but one thing that I just hope that they don't do is like I want them to go all out with what if and if they introduce them uh, yep. like that sort of concept to the movies I don't think they will so I hope that I'm wrong on that one because I want them to go yeah. absolutely insane in what if. Yeah, we'll have to see how much they actually adhere to what's already come before. Because what's the point of going down all these multiple pathways if you're not really going to, you know, let your hair down, you know, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Thank you to our guests, Adam Vagona and Tim Bottoms, for appearing on the show today. You can find their work on the standard website. The first two episodes of What If are currently out, and they will be releasing weekly on the Disney streaming service, Disney+. Plus. This episode was hosted and researched by myself, Theo Tunks, edited by Jane McLucas, and produced by Aditi Kuti. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Swin Journalism, Instagram at Swinburne Journalism, or check out our website at theswinstandard.net. And as always, thank you for listening.